Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andrea Gazetta! Yay! Yay! We have got an absolutely great episode for you. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's also going to make you throw your computer or, or phone against the fucking wall. <laughs> no, I don't want anyone to unnecessarily have to spend money so please don't throw anything valuable yeah actually not having to unnecessarily spend money is pretty much the tagline of this episode 100 (laughs) um but before that we have some news and reviews Uh, the first news is very important. We are going to be a part of RTX this year. Yeah, Woo-hoo! baby. Get it. For those that are unfamiliar, RTX is the normally live, but this year virtual uh, event that Rooster Teeth puts on every year. Rooster Teeth is one of the biggest content creators um, that I know of and, and people that I've been a fan of since I was a, since I was a fucking middle schooler. So it's a really big deal for me. Um, on September 18th, we're going to be taking part in a true crime podcast panel with Red Web and Black Box Down, two insanely popular and insanely amazing true crime uh, shows. If you want more information, you can go to rtxevent.com. That's the letters rtxevent.com. Uh, you can also go to our social medias and our website, coldpodcastshow.com, for more information on that. Um, also, we have a Patreon. That's the biggest <gass> news of what? all. <laughs> what? You guys have never heard of it. I had no have idea. Have you considered financial freedom? You can have it <laughs> with if Patreon. You just, if you just, if you tie yourself to giving us money. <laughs> then if you start a Patreon and you get three friends and they start Patreons... Actually, no, I don't. I don't think you get anything. When a through line and an upline really love each other, they make <laughs> money, and you can be a part of that. Exactly. Uh, if you have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, buckle up because this is gonna be a wild episode. Um, yeah. So I think without any further ado, let's get into the show. Hello. Hello. Boss, babe. <laughs> Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Andrea Gazetta. Yay! <laughs> and it's my week. <laughs> Holy shit, guys. You've seen it in your inbox. You've seen it on Facebook. You've been asking for it for literally two and a half. No, I'm sorry, three. We just had our third year anniversary. Three years. Today we're talking about multi-level marketing. Yes! Oh, shit. 
Look, I'm going to say I have no idea what this episode is about, but I would like to invest all of my money immediately. (laughs) Perfect. You're going to have to recruit 10 more people into your downline, and that's when you really start making money. (laughs) That's that's when you really start losing money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, multi-level marketing, also known as direct sales, pyramid selling, network marketing, referral marketing, freelance commission-based sales, and the new club your friend from high school joined has been around... For way longer than you would think. Pretty much as long as people have been selling things. Oh, yeah. A, a lot of people don't know this, but the actual pyramids were part of a pyramid scheme. <laughs> yeah. This, the scheme was if you were one of the slaves building the pyramids, they were like, if you get two more slaves and they get two more <laughs> slaves, we'll have this pyramid built in no time. What a lot of people don't know is that originally, because the pyramids have lost their color, but originally they were a really nice color pink and they said Mary Kay on the side. <laughs> I was thinking they were just bright lime green and said Herbalife. Oh, Jesus. I'm, by the way, I'm, I'm coming after Herbalife in this episode. I'm sorry. I hope we don't get sued. Please don't sue us. I back everything up with actual quotes and I have cited my sources and I will list my extremely long list of sources after this. Yeah. Um, and I would like to say that anytime uh, Paige talks about Herbalife, uh, despite what you might think, she's actually talking about my weed habit um, because I live that <laughs> Your herb, herbal, herbal life. life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, now, we waited a long time to do this episode because we weren't fully sure how we should do it. Um, the thing about multi-level marketing companies is that they thrive on the illusion of being real businesses and claims that they're not are taken very seriously and often litigiously. Also, uh, just like most religions, not all MLMs are created equal. Like I said, they've been around for a long time and some of them have even been around long enough to basically come back around to becoming legitimate businesses. Some are worse than others. And frankly, there are hundreds of thousands of them. We could start an identical podcast just covering MLM companies and have as much material as we do for this podcast. Thankfully, other people did that so we don't have to. (laughs) And I've listed them in our sources. Um, Our focus is cults. So what I really want to do today is give an overview of what MLMs are, how they function as a cult-like organization, and what to look out for. So without further ado, are you ready for our sources? Yeah. This is, by the way, I'm pretty sure the longest list of sources we've ever had. Starting off with our documentary sources, we have Secret of Multi-Level Millionaires documentary, BBC. We have a documentary called Betting on Zero. This is a super interesting one. I'll talk about it a little bit more later in the episode. Uh, if you try to Google it, uh, be a- be aware that the first hit is an ad for bettingonzero.com, which is a site that's paid for by Herbalife, who is the subject of that documentary. It's in their colors. They've got an ad at the bottom. And at the very bottom of the site, it just says, bettingonzero.com is created and maintained by Herbalife International of America and Incorporated Copyright 2018. Uh, So if you read that website and it sounds like this documentary is maybe not as honest as it seems, Just know that they're trying to make you feel that way. They also, in that website, compare themselves to Avon, Pamperchef, etc., who we'll cover a little bit later in this episode, but have a, I would argue, much more legitimate business structure than them. Uh, So we'll get into it a little bit more as we go. 
Uh, next, we have the Vice News documentary, Why Women Are Leaving Their Side Hustle, Leaving LuLaRoe, uh, as well as uh, an additional video called I Filed for Bankruptcy After LuLaRoe and Now I Work Two Jobs. Um, we also have a Deadline article called Lula Rich about clothing empire LuLaRoe. We have Last Week with John Oliver, Season 3, Episode 29 on multi-level marketing. Highly recommend. If I could re recommend that you watch three of that list, I would say the Why Women Are Leaving Their Side Hustle, John Oliver, and Betting on Zero. Those three. We'll cover pretty much everything you need to know. Uh, we've also got the Dream Podcast and the Sounds Like MLM But Okay Podcast and Facebook group. Their Facebook group is super helpful <laughs> in basically seeing people report their um, their MLM stories. Also, anti-MLM accounts on TikTok. I don't know if you know, there are hundreds. And there are literally hundreds of women who are like, I used to sell Unique and it ruined my life. Here's my story. And then oh, they tell it on TikTok. That's not what I thought it was. I thought it was going to be people like, when I see a MLM, yeet. And, <laughs> and that's just uh, various So memes. a lot of them, after they get out of an MLM, that's what it becomes. And it's really funny. But then they'll also, I've been following one where she takes listener stories and is like, so here's a five TikTok arc on, you know, body shop at home and stuff. And so it's really, really interesting. The one that I'm following. Paige's new immersion into TikTok oh, comes God. full force. I know. Uh, so the one that I'm following on TikTok is anti-MLM underscore Allie, all lowercase. And that's Allie, A-L-L-I. Um, but she's been super, super interesting. She was in a number of MLMs and now she like basically exposes them okay so all right do you came is, came full circle is there a reason that tiktok is being used for this like is it because of the there's something about the platform that makes it difficult for them to no it's just what's hot and new i is mean i'm it? sure these same videos yeah, exist on youtube that's so, all that i yeah, wanted the, to know honestly well there's a yeah there's a ton of youtube accounts and groups if you want to get real into anti-mlm um, you'll see a lot of the same stuff. The w interesting thing about TikTok, I think that not all other platforms give, although Instagram a little bit, is that you'll see TikToks of people trying to use the products that they're supposed to be selling and showing that they fail. So it does have the visual component that's a little more accessible. You could definitely do that on Facebook and on Instagram, but MLM specifically target young stay-at-home moms who have their cell phone in hand and i think that's why tiktok is a hotbed of people showing why mlms don't work i'm gonna be um, honest other than the mom part that's pretty much me i'm a stay-at-home uh person and i have my phone in my hand all the time and uh also i did buy 10 packs of Lulu Rose. Is that what they're called? Lulu Rose. <laughs> Lulu Rose. We'll get, I own Lulu Rose. I tried planting them and they we'll didn't grow anything, it. by the way. <laughs> That's false advertising. So continuing on to our written sources. Um, <laughs> I'm just imagining Armando burying leggings in the very yeah. small bit of m ground we have at our apartment. Lulu Rose. <laughs> I tried to grow it. Nothing grew. Well, I mean, mold will grow, but we'll get to that in just a bit. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, gross. 
So uh, our next written source is managementstudyguide.com, which has an article called A Brief History of Multi-Level Marketing. Um, we also have an article called Multi-Level Marketing and Pyramid Schemes in the United States, A Historical Analysis. William W. Keep, Peter J. Vandernat wrote that. We also have an article from the LA Times, and it's called Why is the Government Allowing Companies Like LuLaRoe to Continue Operating? <laughs> We've got... Uh, Avon.com, their site was actually super helpful. They also have a company history on their site, so I'll actually be quoting that in a little bit. We also have Tupperware.com, PamperChef.com, LuLaRoe.com, BodyShop.com, and Herbalife, and their multiple sites, because Herbalife just love to be confusing people on the internet with multiple <laughs> websites. Are we ready? Yeah. I know yes. that was like a crazy long list, I'm but... I'm so excited. All right. First, we need to establish what is an MLM. A multi-level marketing company is a company that chooses to employ a team of salespeople, or as they are often referred to, distributors, consultants, associates, etc., for a commission-based sales position. Now, that as a basis is not entirely crazy or even illegal or even underhanded. There are tons of reasons why a company might do this. Not having employees means you don't have to pay benefits. It costs less overhead. And because people are not being paid a day-to-day -day salary or even an hourly sal salary, they're motivated to sell more to compensate, which means bigger earnings for the company and sometimes the salespeople. So it's not great because these are people who are working for you and selling your stuff and you're not giving them any benefits or anything, but that's disclosed when these people take the job. Yeah. It's, so, it's essentially the professional version of doing those fundraisers from school where they're like, yeah, you're yeah. not going to make anything, but if you sell enough, I will give you this keychain. And if you sell even more, I'll take you to Chuck E. Cheese in a limousine. Well, and to be honest, within our normal everyday society, there are many examples of a direct sales model where people do have careers from it and no one has a problem with it. Yeah. Car dealerships are one. Like if you're a car salesman, you're almost always working in direct sales or a commission based model. Real estate, 100 percent. A lot of sex work is a commission based model if you're working for somebody and not your own boss, if that makes sense. Like if you're working in a strip club or uh, in like a peep show, or if you are working in a legally sanctioned brothel, likely you are working in a direct sales model where you are receiving a commission on what you are doing. Uh, Uber and Lyft yep. is essentially direct sales. Yeah, because there's a reason even though that yeah, those well, companies are in trouble right now. Yeah, because all yes. those Uber drivers tried to give me lap dances. <laughs> And they're well, like, I'll do anything for <laughs> tips, man. I'll do anything. The crux of the complaint with Uber is that it's not presented as a direct sales model. It's presented as a job where you would earn X amount of money an hour. And a lot of the advertising was targeted that way. But so my mother is uh, an HR director. And what mm -hmm. she told me is the biggest thing is California has since changed their laws on what constitutes as uh, contractor yeah, work, independent and contractors. And so basically the reason that Uber and Lyft are not independent contractors anymore is because they set your hours like they're the ones who say, like, this is the job that you're going to work like you show up and you do this job. And so you're not like. You're not basically setting your you, you don't have the right to choose your clientele 
that you're going through them and they're se- they're setting basically like how you are supposed to do stuff. Right. And that's the difference between them and let's say a car dealership mm-hmm. where if a customer walked up to a car dealership, I could choose not to help them. It's not in my best interest to do that, but I could. <laughs> Same with real estate. I don't have to sell everyone's house. I choose who I sell. <laughs> I have to market myself. I'm sorry. Did did you say you're selling you're selling a condominium? Sir, you need to get the fuck out. We do not <laughs> accept your kind around here. Condominiums, get out. So, but this is this is a thing with MLMs. There are different regulations state to state, and as we'll see as we go through, some states are harsher on MLMs than others. Um, California tends to be kind of harsh, but they're also the epicenter of a lot of them. Um, most luxury retail and corporate vendor sales also work on direct sales or commission sales models. Um, I used to get headhunted for those types of jobs all the time when I worked in retail, like. When I was looking for a job to leave retail, 90% of what I got or got interviews for were direct sales, just because that's what my experience was. And the reality is that there are some people who are extremely talented at these types of jobs and are good at interacting and gaining customers, and they can be very lucrative. And Armando and I are those people. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to our welcome to our presentation. Uh, Would you like to buy some Herbalife? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I Uh, I myself was. uh, We've talked about it on the podcast many times before, but I used to sell Direct TV inside of Costco's um, for, uh, which in and of itself is not an MLM. And also, I want to say that the businesses I worked for were not actually directly related to Costco or to Direct TV. It was a third-party company that uh, the here was here was the the long and short of it. It was a third-party company that hired people to sell Directv inside of a Costco. That in and of itself is fine, totally fine. They're just hiring other people to do quote unquote uh, sales for them, marketing and sales. Um, what they called you is a marketing specialist. That was your job title. And it's like, no, I'm not, man. I'm on the same level as the guy giving out meats. That's Randy. We're friends now. <laughs> I eat meat like once an hour because I work at a fucking Costco. Because of Randy. He yeah. holds it down. Randy's the shit. So me and Randy, well, actually, Randy's job was way better because Randy's job, Randy was an actual marketing person if you want to look at it because Randy doesn't give a fuck if you buy the meat or not. Randy still gets paid. <laughs> Regardless of if you try his meat, if you eat Randy's meat, if you put Randy's sweet meat treat in your mouth and you're like, oh, that's pretty good, but I don't think I'm going to buy it. Randy's like, I don't give a fuck, man. You just ate my meat. I get paid either way. But I would only get paid. I would get paid a baseline of like $7 an hour or some shit. Um, And then you would make more money by selling DirecTV to people. And their whole point was they wanted you to like oversell and sell people shit that, you know, they really want. Um, But the biggest drawbacks in Los Angeles is that uh, DirecTV at the time did not have Dodgers games, which means that most people who actually give a fuck about having cable don't care about having your shit-ass cable. If they can't watch the Dodgers, there's no point to having cable. Uh, yeah. And secondly, cable's stupid. It's stupid and it's awful. Well, and there's no advantage to having it anymore. It's incredibly outdated. Especially when you can't watch the fucking Dodgers. I can't tell you how well, many times people wanted to fight me over that. That's the other thing with DirecTV. It's also, at the time, satellite dishes. Mm-hmm. And if you live in Los Angeles, everything is a giant building or 
a huge neighborhood or hills. So the odds of you getting a good signal on a satellite dish slim to none. Yeah. <laughs> like it's the worst. Um, we could do a whole episode just on direct TV and their horrible business practices. Um, fuck, but fuck them. Again, um, I, I want to say I didn't work directly for direct TV. Oh no. Yeah. You worked I, for indirect TV. Exactly. I worked <laughs> in direct TV, but the, my entire job was to, to kind of show you how predatory this is. My entire job was to convince you in a Costco that you needed to switch to whatever cable you were using to direct TV uh, because our prices were so much lower and we could bundle home uh, internet and uh, and uh, a home phone, you know. And so it would, right. it would it would be a cheaper price for a year and then it would skyrocket. And then yeah, that's after every every cable company. Exactly. Yeah. And then on top of that, it didn't it didn't matter if your uh, if your if your building didn't apply for getting a satellite dish didn't matter. We still took your money for at least that first month. And that's how I got my commission. Uh, didn't matter if your inner if internet wasn't provided there. Doesn't matter because you already paid me and I don't give a shit. Uh, doesn't matter if you don't need home phone. If I sign you up for it and you pay for it, you're getting it no matter what. Uh, I didn't do any of those things, but that's what they teach you. You know, yeah. they teach you to basically do that. And they loved me because they were like, "Well, just be like Armando, big and scary. No one's gonna come back and argue <laughs> with him <laughs> if he takes advantage of them." Oh, man. I I have never worked in direct sales, but I've been to many a job interview that turned out to be direct sales mm -hmm. and uh, have gotten up in the middle of one and left. Yeah. Same. I also did that in high school. <laughs> I got recruited to do the Cutco Knives. Oh, and yeah. I was just like, <laughs> my mom's like, you need to have a summer job. And I was like, I just want to paint fine. And then I go and they're like, okay, so you got to buy this thing. I was like, this isn't a job. And I just left. I was so mad. And I'll cover it in just a little bit later. If you're looking for a job, this is not the place to do it. These no. are not careers. I, I won't. And let me amend that. Real estate, car dealerships, those things can be careers. No, no, I'm, I'm flipping can... around. They're not careers, okay? Get a real job. Sell towns and cities. I mean, that's basically what my dad does, and that's how he has a house. Nope. So, like, nope. it can be a career. Get a real Become job. a podcaster. A podcaster. No, I'm saying... <laughs> a I'm... freelance podcast. Work for three years to maybe get a paycheck eventually. <laughs> I, no, I'm. You guys are misunderstanding me. Take it a step further. Stop selling homes. Start selling the whole goddamn town. Stop selling cars. Sell monorails. Go town to town, <laughs> and basically try to convince people to abandon their cars and join you on your futuristic adventure. No, sell tow trucks. Get your own cars. Sell cars infinitely. Oh, teach a man. Sell a man a car. He'll drive for a day. But sell a man a sell tow a truck. Sell a man a tow truck. And he'll, he'll never drive not have forever. A car. Yes. <laughs> He'll, at the very minimum, he's always got a tow truck, which is also a car. Um, so what what I mean tow by this is... like kangaroos because they just have little baby cars in their pouch. Like that's when a tow truck is pregnant, it has a Mini Cooper and then it grows into an, another truck. What? I want to live... I want to take whatever drug it, it takes me to live in your brain. This is why I don't do acid. <laughs> Anyway, what I mean by this is there are legitimate forms of direct sales and commission-based sales. They exist in our society. It's definitely a possibility to have a career in that type of line of work. You really have to have the right personality for it, and it takes a lot of work. 
But these businesses that we're going to be talking about coming up next are different. Um, they have some slight differences that are going to make them a little bit more predatory, a little bit more problematic. I am going to argue that for some of them, and I will make a distinction as to which ones are which, for some of them, if you want it to be a hobby where you get discounts on shit that you like, doable. I'd say that's the ideal model for some of these. But that's not the way they're billed. Let's get into it. So where did these types of businesses come from? Hell. They've been, yeah, pretty much. But they've been around as long as people have been selling stuff. Thousands of years. Um, but multi-level marketing in the way that we're referring to them specifically have only been around for the last 200 years or so, which I'm sure for a lot of people that even seems like a long time. But so according to Avon's website, quote, in 1886, 34 years before women in the U.S. earned the right to vote, Avon's founder, David H. McConnell, helped give them the chance to earn an independent income. He didn't set out to create a beauty company. In fact, McConnell was a traveling book salesperson who offered fragrances, samples, as an additional perk to his female customers. He saw that these women were more interested in the free perfume than the books themselves, and since women had a passion for his products and loved networking with other women, McConnell was inspired to recruit them as sales representatives, and from his small New York City office, McConnell himself mixed the company's first fragrances. What is it? So his fucking, his whole pitch was like, yeah, you know how these broads don't be reading, just be smelling shit. You know what women like to do? Talk to other women because that's all they're good for. That's see? all they were allowed to talk to. In fairness, yes. they could yeah. only talk to other women and their husbands. So to give a little bit of credit to Avon, which I love how they were like, right before women got the right to vote, women were on your side, ladies, women. Uh, well, so. unfortunately, they did vote for perfume. That was all women's first vote. <laughs> Our write-in was Chanel number five. Um, so to Avon's credit, at the time, women weren't really a factor in the workforce. Many of them couldn't have jobs or many of them were at home with their families, but they did see a network with the other women around them. And this was presented to them as a way to just have a little bit of extra money, but free perfume. And so I think that this original model is exactly the best version of an MLM as far as what we're thinking of, if you makes if that makes sense, where it's not her career per se, it's a little extra money, which is fun, and she gets the stuff that she wants, and she and her friends trade and talk about it. Yeah, they were basically pitching in like, "Hey, women, do you have nothing to do but sit at home and wait for the traveling book salesman all day?" Yeah. Do you want to smell good for your husband? Well, then why don't you? Why don't you wear this scent mixed by a man who previously sold books for a living? <laughs> oh, it smells like Moby Dick. <laughs> Were two of your children salty. fathered by the traveling book salesman? <laughs> Use this perfume to cover the stench of your shame. Uh, <laughs> so, 
<laughs> Why didn't we and, let him? Hold on. I, are we not going to talk about the fact that he was the, the first perfume that Avon made was mixed by a guy whose only previous experience was selling books? Yeah, no, absolutely. And walking into people's houses like genuine Bonoride, Monorail, 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 <laughs> Bookmobile. Uh, yeah, you and- fucking scholastic schoolyard ass piece of shit. Well, maybe he's just I like, do- I know what smells good. I bet he studied a lot of chemistry in those books. <laughs> yeah, because he's just showing up in the middle of the day to lonely women. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I wasn't kidding when I was like, hey, maybe your children were fathered by the book salesman. <laughs> because he's literally just rolling up like, hello, my dear. Might I interest you in free perfume? <laughs> like, that's the hottest guy of 1883, clearly. What did his mustache um, look like? It just it just spelled I out you should imagine. be able to vote. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is sexier than voting. Uh, truth. Now, most MLMs continued in that fashion for a long time. This is also where we start to see like Tupperware had kind of that same model and still kind of does to this day. Um this is kind of the norm and it changes in the early part of the 1940s. So there's no documented history of when exactly this happened. We just know that it's around this time frame. but most people believe that the concept of a multi-level marketing company as we know them today owes its origin to a company called Neutralite or a California vitamin company as it was previously known as well. And they produced supplement products. Now, if you want to go down a rabbit hole of absolute bat shittery, research supplements, because they are nonsense. And after the research on this episode, I don't think I'm ever taking a supplement again. (laughs) Like, they are not real. It is upsetting to the max. Is that all supplements? I'm pretty sure I take an iron supplement. Yeah, even like well, vitamins. If, if it's one for even vitamins, they created their own like reform board and board that actually certifies those vitamins as consumable. So they control the entire process. They're also one of the biggest lobbyists in Washington. So a lot of the people that make supplements are the people that influence the laws regulating supplements. Mm. And most of them have negligible amounts of what they say that they're supposed to have in really? them. Really? That's yeah. deeply upsetting. Yeah, there are certain companies, if you do some deep research, that are a little bit better as far as like what is in the actual supplement. But a lot of them have negligible amounts and are upcharging wildly for what they're giving. Well, it's because all the people who make supplements previously used to be door-to-door book salesmen. <laughs> Fun fact, most of them still are. <laughs> what? One of the one of the biggest types of MLMs, like the biggest MLM genre is supplements. Wow. It is like 90% of this business. Wow. And it's built on this idea that you need the things in these supplements, but then they're not even really giving you what they're telling you that they're giving you. What the fuck? I have to take iron supplements because I've recently become vegetarian and my body's like, what the fuck, dude? You were eating all this iron and now you're not. So now I just got to eat beans and shit, I guess. And and I'm not going to be like, all vitamins are bad. That's not true just definitely research the supplements that you're taking and make sure that they actually have the stuff in them that they're supposed to and 
avoid ones that are just like, this is for overall wellness or this is for clarity because those are bullshit and it's mostly just placebos. Those are definitely bullshit. Also, don't don't believe that vitamin C is a cure-all for everything because it's definitely 100% not. Well, and in some cases, if you're taking a vitamin C supplement, you would get the same amount of vitamin C just by eating an orange as you would that supplement. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, uh, for this company, the California Vitamin Company, later called Neutralite, uh, the concept of multi-level or network selling emerged almost accidentally because the distributors discovered that they were actually generating more sales for their company by referring their friends and other people to the business as opposed to selling them the product. <laughs> we can't sell this product this for happened... shit, but God damn it, do our friends want to buy it. Well, and in part because if you are a direct sales company, you always need to be expanding your selling network. That's just the real, like, that's the reality of that's sales. That's the reality of capitalism. But, yeah. It's a model built yes. on constant expansion. You got to remember your right. ABCs always be selling. <laughs> so because they have to always expand, okay. most of these companies had referral mm -hmm. bonuses for referring new salespeople. Now, at this time, that was not the emphasis for these companies. These companies were not built on recruiting. It was just, hey, if you happen to refer somebody, we'll give you you know a commission which to be honest there's a referral bonus at my job today if i refer somebody to work for our company that's almost every company has that because it basically removes them from having to do the work of finding a person so it's essentially like hey if you know somebody who's not an idiot and we hire them and they stay for 90 days here's money because we would have had to pay this money to somebody to find yeah. that person so we're paying it to you uh, so that's super common, and that's what was happening at Neutralite. And then if you recruited somebody, you were getting a 2% bonus on the sales achieved by that distributor, which, believe it or not, is still legal. That's not officially a pyramid scheme as long as the 2% bonus is based on product sold as opposed to inventory purchased by that distributor inventory is going to be the sticking point between what is a more benign mlm and a downright pure dag nasty evil mlm and we'll get to it in a sec but neutralite suddenly had unprecedented levels of growth and profits because they suddenly had a much bigger selling force than they previously did because all of their all of their salespeople just kept recruiting other people to get that signing bonus. So they started to network across the U.S. and other continents. And in the early 1960s, two men named Richard DeVos and Jay Van Andel. And by the way, if the last name DeVos sounds familiar, that's because his son is married to the current Secretary of Education who is in charge of educating yeah. your children. So yeah. keep that in mind. Don't fuck I don't want to judge people off of the the stupidity of their parents, so I'll just judge her on her own stupidity um, because she's yeah, fucking there you go. bananas dumb. Well, her father-in-law and his business partner 
were distributors at Neutralite and they made a ton of money and they used that money to break away from Neutralite and build their own company, a company called Amway. Jesus Christ. Which is, it's the biggest MLM on earth. Like that's, like Herbalife wishes it was Amway. Like Herbalife is big, Amway's insane. It's wild. Well, one of the things is that Amway has uh, these really awesome, like, um, prizes that you can win for selling enough stuff. Like first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Second place is a set of Ooh, is a set of steak knives. And third place is you're fired. And I'm Alec Baldwin, and I'm gonna say <laughs> some stuff that won't be nice in a few years. <laughs> okay, so about the cars, and this is something that the two really big MLMs we're gonna cover in this episode mm-hmm. don't do this, but it is worth noting. A lot of MLMs will promise a car stipend or that you could earn a car level or that you could earn a car bonus. The problem with that is that they don't just give you a car. That's not how that works. They have you take out loans and purchase the car in your own name. And then you are required to pay a certain amount of your bonus towards that car. That's why it's provided to you as a bonus. But if you do not achieve the level that they need you to achieve of sales or recruitment, depending on the company, you lose that car stipend. And that means that you have to continue to pay for this car out of your own pocket. Jesus Christ. But... But in order to get that car stipend, you're limited to a certain type of car. So it's like not all cars qualify for it. And that's how you get like the pink Mary Kay car and stuff like that. But those cars are expensive. Those cars are expensive. It's not a Honda Civic, you know. So like you're paying outside of your means for a car based on a car bonus they're giving you. But if you ever fall below that car bonus, you do not, you have to pay for that car anyway. It's in your name. And in some cases, it's a lease where you'd have to give the car back. In other cases, you've purchased that car, which means that even if you left the MLM, you'd still have to pay for that car. It's yeah, wild. That, this is just every time you see someone who has like a really nice car and you're like, dude, I know what your job is. Like, I know you don't make that, but essentially because it's painted on the side of your car, you fucking yeah, idiot. <laughs> what the fuck? But I mean, yeah. we've all met someone who has a really nice car. And when you say like, oh, wow, how did you afford this? They explain to you how big of a loan they've taken out and how much they owe on it. And you do the math and you realize that this car is a status symbol. And if your MLM is forcing you essentially to buy a specific status symbol, they are doing an air of what's the word I'm looking for success for you. That isn't true, but that legitimizes their business in the eyes of everyone else that you try to market to. Yeah. That's going to be a big thing in the second big MLM. And that's why I would like to reiterate that uh, tow trucks, a much better option. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> car you want which is right? the hitch of a, 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 a of, a, right. of a, what's the the undercarriage called a hook none um, of us know cars axle axle with just the hook axle? of an axle you can have any car you want any any car at all <laughs> you can have two herbal lifes and a mary Kay if you want 
<laughs> just collect them. Now, as Amway started to Wait, do is that what really, really is? well. Yeah. They boosting cars. That's why they're hot. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, and you that's why the, that's why the tracks are so wild because that's how you have to get away from the cops. <laughs> I mean, we're we're joking about it, but also we we own our own small business. Hashtag boss babe. Uh, that so far has been paid. Hold on, did you say, hold on, did you say boss babe or boss baby? <laughs> yes. Oh no, I said boss. Babe. I like and I are the less. boss babe, and you're the boss baby. I like boss baby. Did you know boss baby also? Boss Baby was also voiced by Alec Baldwin. So ostensibly there could be a scene where he was also like first place is first place is a Hot Wheels El Dorado. Second place is a plastic set of knives. Third place is you're fired. This is Glenn Gregory Glenn Rossifer Jr. Other fun fact, the book that Boss Baby is based on was written by my coworker's mom. Really? Yeah. Your coworker's mom Wait, wrote the what? Bible? <laughs> boss baby is yeah, an adaptation it was a book originally and my friend's mom wrote it she's a children's out. book author and illustrator for what children like weird <laughs> capitalist children she also very briefly wanted to do a book about a duck who started doing stand-up so she came to an open mic at the ice house <laughs> and then stopped writing that book <laughs> i was like yeah come on through she oh made the right God. decision. She was very upset by what stand-up actually looked like. It was very funny. <laughs> From the moment the baby arrived, it was obvious that he was the boss. The boss baby is used to getting what? his way. Drinks made to order 24-7, his private jet plane, and meetings around the clock. But when his demands aren't getting proper responses, he has to go to new lengths to achieve the attention he deserves. Wait, so the boss is already... Wait, so the boss has been a respected boss baby forever? It's not a story about how he becomes boss baby? I have no idea, Armando. At no point was I ever like, what if a baby was a boss? This is not something I think about. I didn't even get to watch Boss Baby the movie. We're making fun of Boss Baby. I've never seen it in my life. Me either. So I have no... I I was under the impression that it was like we made a... (laughs) Say, guys... Hey, hey, board meeting. Sales have been down for a while now. But you know. Like down on the ground where babies crawl. We should hire a baby. We need to go. We need to pump youth in our company. And what's more youthful than a literal baby? Well, I mean, when you think about it. Babies are the boss of a home, right? Because you have to cater to them and everything revolves around them. So, like, in many ways, babies are the bosses of homes. I think this is just, you know, an allegory for that. Oh, yeah. I guess I just don't understand the premise of the book because it sounds like Boss Baby has been a successful CEO for a while now. <laughs> and suddenly, his, his suddenly yeah. all of a sudden, his employees are stop, are starting to stop respect him, which means that, that that means there's a scene in this book where there is one character who's like, hey, um, you guys, you guys ever noticed that our boss is a fucking baby? You guys ever notice how we can pretty much just do whatever we want because he's a fucking baby? Did you notice that the boss spit up milk all over the copier? I was copier? number one in the vagina. I've always been the best in the vagina, outside of the vagina. When it came out of the vagina, no one had ever been as good as me. I guess I'm just the best. I'm number one. I'm a boss baby. That's what I always tell them. You can just pop right out of the pussy. <laughs> 
Oh, God. So the two guys that started Amway get pretty successful. Amway makes a lot of money. And then they turn around and buy Neutralite, the original company they started working for, and absorb their products. So that's why Amway sells supplements is because they bought the multi-level marketing the marketing company that they used to work for. And to add insult to injury, they put a baby in charge of the entire company. <laughs> yeah, it was Betsy DeVos. That makes a lot of sense. Um, now, this is where the modern beast of multi-level marketing arises. This is where we get the model where recruitment is more lucrative than the product itself. So what I'd like to do briefly is start out with some of the MLMs you might know and let you know how their model works. And then we'll get into two of the real heavy hitters that really made the structure work for them and have paid for it legally. So uh, Avon, Pamperchef, Tupperware, Mary Kay, these are all MLMs that pretty much everyone has heard of, and there's many, many like them specifically in the beauty world. But let's talk about these four just because they're well-known. Um, most of them have been around for a long time as well. And the defining features of these MLMs is that they have an actual product, and many people like their product. It's not a bad product. In fact, Tupperware is so popular that it became the colloquialism for plastic storage containers when was the last time that you bought a plastic storage container and never. didn't call I'm, it a tupperware yeah, i'm just finding out now that they're not called tupperware Mm-hmm. no tupperware was the name of the business and those are plastic food storage containers yeah. so yeah but that's that's the thing everyone if you went into a target and said where's the tupperware that's what they would show you is plastic storage containers even though target carries no yeah. tupperware if, if you went into a target and were like where are the plastic storage containers a, a target employee would look at you like what the fuck are you talking about yeah yeah now here's the other thing too with tupperware and with a lot of these other companies you can now buy a lot of their products online without going through a distributor in some cases at places like target so I joked that, you know, you can't buy Tupperware anywhere else. You can actually buy Tupperware on Amazon. Have done it. <laughs> so they are trending more towards legitimacy. They are not perfect, though. So here is the tea with how these companies work. With all of these companies, you could potentially just sell their products, get your personal discount, and be on your way while making some money on the side. You absolutely can. It is absolutely not a career unless you start recruiting people. Or rather, if you wanted to make it a career, you would have to eat, sleep, and breathe their products to make it replace a job. You would end up working twice as hard to make the same amount of money. Now, some of these companies require recruitment to attain certain tiers or levels for discounts or bonuses. Or, at the very least, they heavily, heavily encourage it. But there's nothing stopping you from just selling the product if that's how you want to play it. The likelihood that you'll make enough money to quit <clears throat> your job doing that, slim to none. With every single one of these companies, there is a kit fee. And essentially what that is is a demonstrator kit. Uh, it's usually a kind of like a chef's dinner or what do they call it chef's menu 
like a tasting menu of almost all of their products or at least a wide range of their products so that when you go to talk to people about their products, you have something to show them and you are getting them at a deep, deep discount. An Avon kit is anywhere from $30 to $100, but you get like two to $300 worth of stuff. I looked into like what's in all the kits and if you <coughs> wanted to just get a bunch of Avon, just sign up for a kit and steal that shit because like they give you tons of stuff. Pampered Chef was the craziest as far as like what you get in the kit because their kit starts at about a hundred uh, and then there's like three different types of kits so you can choose your level of investment I guess. The biggest one is about $270 but it's got about $600 worth of stuff in it. So like you could just buy the kit and just peace out and and you'd be making a pretty steep discount um, well, that's the problem is that that company is run by a bunch of pampered chefs who have lost all sense of uh business like <laughs> of how, things how they're supposed cost. to make fucking money they're like i don't know what should give them like six hundred dollars worth of shit i don't know real so real talk i worked in cookware for a long ass time that was my arena but i have used a number of pampered chef products we had a family friend growing up who sold pampered chef but never like tried to get my mom to sell it or anything like that was just constantly like hey it's your birthday i bought you this pampered <laughs> chef thing uh and they make a good product they actually legitimately do make some it's the best garlic press i've ever had and they make a really good like bakeware line that's like a stoneware. They make pizza stones that are amazing. And you can just order them online. You don't have to buy them from somebody. But to be honest, looking at it last night, I was like, I have no intention of selling Pampered Chef. But I do have $270 to get $600 worth of Pampered Chef stuff. Like, hmm. Hmm. Now, the value of these kits and the buy-in costs vary. But most of what we looked at here, you know, Mary Kay, Avon, etc., they're mostly in this range. At this at this MLM level, your investment is largely going to be under $300 max. And in some cases way less. Some of them were 30 or 60 bucks depending on what you're selling and what they're going to send you. Um, so if you signed up, bought a kit, never sold anything, you got a sweet discount on products and you're out 300 tops. And if you're in it to just casually sell stuff and you're not making it a career, then you would likely cover the cost of your kit within one, two, three parties and make some money on the side. I'm going to argue that that's the ideal level of investment in this yeah, system. Yeah, the drug dealer method. Is just... Yeah. Yeah, just like I like drugs, I'll sell some drugs so that I can also have drugs and a couple extra dollars for a Snapple while I'm doing my drugs. <laughs> um, that's what this is. Yeah. And You're a weed dealer for Tupperware. Yeah, and initially this was the intention of this type of sales model was just to, it's casual, passable, supplemental income, it's not a career. And it's a discount on stuff that you already use and you already like with a little money for the trouble. It's actually marketing. Yeah. Now, here's the kicker, though. They do present this as, in some cases, make full-time money on part-time hours. The only way you can do that is if you're recruiting. That is kind of the dirty underbelly of even what I would call mild MLMs. Yeah. Is... 
you it's it can't be a job it's not a job stop billing it as yeah. a job well you know the thing that's happening too though is you're not recruiting random people you're recruiting your friends and family and neighbors and people that you care about and you are directly benefiting from their yep. spending and misery which is horrible well the other thing that a lot of these places seem to fail to tell you is that your the majority of your customers are going to be your family and friends and the majority of the people you get to recruit are also going to be your family and friends so at a certain point you're all going there's going to be an oversaturation in the market that exists which is right. your family and friends because you're all selling to the same right. people now, if you don't recruit, that saturation takes much longer, which means that if you're not expecting a career out of this, if you're not expecting a ton of money and you're just in it for the discount, that's your ideal. Because then you just become kind of like I was when I worked at Sur La Table when every time somebody needed something, they just called me to be like, yo, what's your store discounts? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's who you become if you choose not to recruit. And to be honest, if you're not recruiting and you're just doing whatever on the side whenever it's convenient, good on you. Let me know. I'll buy some Tupperware. Great. But if you're recruiting, that's when it gets bad. But this is not even the absolute worst version of this because the thing that these companies that we've just covered don't do that most other MLMs do is require you to buy inventory. Now, here's the dividing line. If I order something from Avon, the consultant that I'm ordering from places the order with Avon and then delivers it to me. They're not having to buy it ahead of time. Same with Pampered Chef. They're not holding on to inventory. I'm placing an order, they're filing that order, and then they're giving me the product. Essentially, they're just a middleman for me ordering it online. Yeah, they're a, a That's walking, why a talking of... catalog. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and this is a lot of why those companies have easily transitioned to a more digital format where they have a website and you can basically order and then credit your consultant. So it's a much more seamless system. It makes it a little bit easier to sell without recruiting. Um, but there are companies that require people to buy inventory up front. And that's where the truly sinister version of MLMs comes in. So let's talk about it. And we're going to start with Herbalife. Hell yeah. You guys ready? I'm re I've always been living an herbal life, dude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, do, you, do you think there's ever some Tupperware salesmen that have like the qualities of a stereotypical weed dealer where they just show up at your house like super late and they're like, <laughs> dude, do you mind if I use some of this Tupperware while I'm here? You know? Have you never been to a Tupperware no, party? I don't. What, it's a Tupperware. What? Oh, my God. Holy shit. I thought that this was a common. Okay. We have to pause. We're going to talk about Herbalife in a couple minutes. I grew up in the church. Now, there's nowhere that MLMs thrive better than among church ladies. Oh, yeah. They love You have them. a built-in network of women, and you mostly are staying at home. Yes. And the Lord won't let you now, have women, men jobs. You can't be a man. I'm joking. Or, or you have more kids than the average bear, which means that your house costs more. And so a little bit of passive income is always helpful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Usually. Which is um, crazy because bears have so many kids. I know. Uh, especially the gay ones. <laughs> and so... 
they don't. Uh, so, a sp- like, I've been to Tupperware parties, Pampered Chef parties. My mom, you, I think, uses Avon to this day, but used Avon through my entire childhood. At no point were we ever given the pitch of, like, you could sell it, too. But if you have a party, you do earn prizes just from having a party. Why do they call them a party? It's just because it, it's a party. Because it is literally a party. It's a you party. Invite your friends. You it's get based drunk? on your friends. Yeah. Yes. They had so well. Church, you didn't really get drunk, but it's essentially you show up and this person comes to your house and throws a party, and it's like a potluck with all the different things that you could use these items for if you go to a mary Kay one they do makeovers on everybody mm. it's super fun like not gonna lie super i think fun. it's just that we have different definitions of the term party so what i'm thinking of is just like an all-out fucking rager and rager. there's someone in the corner being yeah. like yeah so this tupperware is actually really good for- hold on i gotta take some molly you know and then they're just fucking going it's, off it's more like a you crush it up and it's more it. like a that's what's good about tupperware is it's strong enough to crush molly <laughs> but pliable enough to sneak in through TSA. It's more like a, almost like a baby shower. Molly? Yeah. Oh, that kind the of party. party. Okay. party. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> one of- saying doing Molly feels like going to a baby shower. <laughs> it's like, not at all, man. It's coming right out of me, man. Uh, I assume that's how babies are born and also how you feel about Molly. Anyway, uh, one of my friends had a thing. There was like a sex toy MLM. Yeah, and they yeah, kept yeah. trying and to get re- me to go. I, and I was like, I don't need that. I don't like that. It's called a pleasure party. Yeah. And they didn't they didn't do very well in California because we just sex have shops. sex yeah. shops. In the Midwest, so though, they're just, popping because it's like, yes. come over. Don't, don't you want to feel liberated? It's all these like bored women who have never been satisfied by a penis. Just like, oh, my God, so <laughs> it's just, pink and yeah. it has sparkles. They're just selling no. orgasms. Yes. Yeah, they're Literally. just selling dildos. Now- the one thing that I I do like that it is sex positive. I do. Uh, however, uh, they were upcharging on a lot of those uh, things, and they had a limited, you know, range as far as what they carried. Um, but yes, it, those types of parties were super popular in like the mid two thousands. Yeah, one of my friends. I remember in that was a big one. He kept inviting me to come, and I was like, I am already coming. I have a boyfriend. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, but I used to go to, I have been to a number of Pampered Chef parties. And they basically cook the whole party. So it's almost like you come over to somebody's kitchen and you all cook together using all their stuff. That's fun. And then you eat all the stuff and watch a movie and hang out. And if you want to buy stuff, great. If you don't, you don't so have to. How does to. the pleasure party work? Do they just make you everyone come at the party? Is it just an orgy? And then afterwards, it's, there's a sign-up sheet? <laughs> no, it's it's kind of sad. But it's this like, it, they do stuff like, isn't this? doesn't this lotion smell good? Doesn't this feather feel good on your body? And then they're like, you know turning on vibrators and like showing you like it you know look how strong this is with the rotating <laughs> it's beads kind of uh, like a bachelor it's bachelorette a, party and it's a ways. lot like a bachelorette where, party and they're designed to yeah, be that where way where it's women yeah. only it's very sex positive which again i appreciate that's cool i can do that without your fancy bullshit that you're that to spend a yeah. lot of money for so i just you know not for me mm-hmm. but right 
I don't know if you guys know, we do have a local Tupperware salesperson in Los Angeles. They're hard to find, but there's one specifically, and they are a drag queen, and so it's a drag show and Tupperware. Okay, party. that's fun. What? I want. I wanted to have one as like a bachelorette party, and it just didn't work out time wise. But yes, our our local Tupperware salesman is a drag performer, and it is a drag show and Tupperware party. Oh, man. It's it sounds amazing, and also Tupperware makes good. How stuff. How much you want to bet that um, there's been at least no less than five Zoom Tupperware parties that have happened? She is doing Zoom Tupperware oh, parties, so that's kind of what happened with a lot of these companies that you didn't have to buy inventory for, and some that you did where they moved online. So they're doing Facebook demonstrations of like, this is what this does. This is what this does. If you want to order it, let me know. And so in that <laughs> if sense, you wanna, like, if you want to see my virtual pleasure party, subscribe to my only fans, please. And thank you. Yeah. Oh my God. That that's a yeah. pretty good idea. That's right? how to do it. Just yeah. Make if yourself you come with it. all the stuff and then be like, this is available <laughs> yeah. now. For the low price of six dollars and sixty nine (laughs) cents. So let's get into Herbalife. Now, one of our big sources, although we had a number of articles and sources on them, but one of my personal favorites is a documentary called Betting on Zero. And the reason it's called that is because one of the guys that the documentary focuses on is a Wall Street hedge fund manager who essentially took the short on Herbalife. What that means is he invested in betting that Herbalife's stock would fail. And if it fails, he makes money. If Herbalife does well, he loses money. Now, I do... Can Go he ahead. do that if he's involved in the decision? Absolutely. That's legal? Does that consider yeah, like insider trading or something? No. I mean, he's not an Herbalife no. distributor. Oh, yeah, okay. so. he is just that. Sorry, continue. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of times this is used when companies look like they're about to go out of business or uh, if you want to try and get rid of a company that you think is not a good company. And so he and his name is Bill Ackman. Is kind of cocky, but he's clearly a very smart dude. Um, Not super well-liked because (laughs) kind of cocky. But he had done this previously with a company called MBIA, and he succeeded because the company collapsed during the subprime mortgage crisis, and so he made a ton of money on them collapsing. But he had called about seven years earlier to be like, they're going to collapse because of subprime mortgages. And then seven years later, they did, and he made a bunch of money on their collapse by betting against them, essentially. Uh, So he's actually the subject of the book Confidence Game by a woman named Christine S. Richard. And in investigating that book, she researched what attributes would make a company the ideal short position. And essentially, she came up with Herbalife and contacted Bill to basically make that his next move. Now, the documentary starts on a quote that I think is super interesting to remember. It is, 
an organization is deemed to be a pyramid scheme if the participants obtain their monetary benefits primarily from recruitment rather than the sale of goods and services to consumers. And that's Peter Vandernat, Senior Economist for the Federal Trade Commission. So let's get into it. So Herbalife was started in 1980 by a man named Mark Hughes as a supplement company, which again, read up on supplements. Uh, John Oliver actually has a great episode on supplements as well. Um, His multi-level marketing one's amazing. His supplement one, equally amazing. They're basically drug dealers for drugs that don't do anything to you. Exactly. Um, Now, they started as a direct sales company in the model of others that came before them, much like Amway um and neutralite as well in the videos of this documentary that they show covering herbalife they actually show show something called nutrition clubs or smoothie bars which is later stage herbalife we'll get to it in just a sec but that's the most insidious version of herbalife there is one on pico if you want to go see it in person or at least there was so on the surface herbalife seems wildly successful selling admittedly high-priced supplements, but it seemed that they were over-promising for the quality and efficacy of the product and over-promising the income. See, you couldn't just regularly buy Herbalife. Herbalife is billed specifically as a lifestyle brand where you're not only buying and using their products, but you are then a distributor for their products. Their president describes it as being almost like a member of a club. But that's kind of the problem. Ahem, ahem. And they've had, yeah, yeah, like a cult. Kind of like being part of a cult. Whoa. Are you okay? Now, Do you yeah. need some Herbalife? Yeah. <laughs> because I've actually called you guys here to let you know that I have become a local distributor for oh, the Herbalife damn. lifestyle. Does that Herbal- explain the headbands in our house? Why are there so many headbands? I put headbands on every <laughs> item in our house. This, this guy... Uh, Mark Hughes has the most 80s hair that I have ever seen and he's just in a suit and he's like if you do what I say you will have a minimum of $50,000 your first year if you do what I say you'll have a minimum minimum of $125,000 your next year and mind you this is in the 80s when that's way more money than it is now you know so like in the fact that he was promising actual dollar amounts is insane oh my god he's terrifying we looked up a picture of mark hughes yeah yeah his eyes are completely soulless yeah and this is an opinion not a fact and this is satire please don't yeah oh my god um now just he looks so (laughs) awful which is an opinion and not and not a fact absolutely now in 1986 Herbalife and the founder Mark Hughes received an injunction from the state of California barring them from making false claims about income and the health benefits of their products and they didn't really stop it basically continued instead of explicitly saying you'll make $50,000 they would say things like you're gonna have a great life you are gonna achieve financial freedom and that's how they get around it because they're not explicitly telling you a number and they can then argue well that amount is a good amount and they actually do that later on in like 2015 2016 when it's revealed how much most Herbalife people actually make they're like 
That's a lot of money to some people. <laughs> You're an elitist asshole if you don't think that's a lot of it's, money. It's 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 sort of like when McDonald's got accused of paying their their employees like lower than minimum wage, like less than a living wage is what it was. And McDonald's response to that was to put out a document that was like, no, you can totally eat on a, on, on a less than living wage. You just basically have to eat McDonald's for every meal. Yep. Mm-hmm. For example, mm-hmm. a totally healthy breakfast is a hash brown. And that's <laughs> it. You can afford that. That's, you can, that's 50 cents, baby. There you go. Now, 14 years later in 2000, Mark Hughes was found dead in his Malibu home. He had overdosed by mixing antidepressants and alcohol. Oh my Yikes. God, I thought you were going to say two different types of Herbalife products. <laughs> oh, I When I was watching it on the, on the documentary, I was like, come on, cocaine. <laughs> I assumed um, it was just an overdose of hairspray. <laughs> breathing in those fumes is harmful. He has his own hole in the ozone layer. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Now... Following his death, a group of private investors assumed control of the company. And before taking the company public on the stock exchange, they hired a man named Michael O. Johnson to be their CEO. Michael O. Johnson used to host a lot of pleasure parties. (laughs) That's how he got the O in his name. Well, previously, he was the president of Disney International. Jesus. And he is a competitive triathlete. And he quadrupled the worth of the company in his first 10 years as CEO. Like, say what you want about this guy. They're pure evil. That's my personal opinion. Uh, In my opinion, Herbalife is pure evil. But you cannot say that he is not a successful CEO. Because this dude clearly knew what he was oh, doing i can i'm like, gonna use herbalife's own uh thought processes against them and say like that isn't a lot of money to some people and if you think it <laughs> is a lot of money you're a fucking poor piece of shit all right i'm just getting angrier yes. and angrier about capitalism the more words that you say so that's where i'm at yeah. right now <laughs> compared to so jeff bezos you're two- not doing shit herbalife all right suck my <laughs> fucking amazon dick well well, hear, hear this out. So in 2011, he was actually the highest paid CEO in America. Now, that's different from a company owner. So like Jeff Bezos owns his own company. He's obviously going to be making more. A CEO is a hired and salaried position. Mm-hmm. And his yearly compensation that year totaled $89.4 million. Wow. That's a lot of money. As CEO, he doesn't own the company, just as CEO. And he claims that everything is legit like legit and that he believes in the product. Um, and let's get into how Herbalife actually works. How it worked from approximately 1984 to 2016. Okay. So, Herbalife's initial buy-in to be a distributor is fairly low, but... They require that you buy and stock inventory. So you could be a distributor for like 50 bucks, but you have no inventory to distribute. So you can be like certified, but not, you can't actually sell anything because you haven't anything to sell. And there's no way for you to order it without stocking inventory. So the initial buy-in for inventory is about $3,000 to become a supervisor. 
And on mm-hmm. top of that, they I'm sure you're going to get into it more, but they do a lot of stuff where they they want you to really like sell the lifestyle. We'll get into it a lot in a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, this is where the real money starts because you can't even get paid for selling Herbalife until you reach a supervisor level, which is that $3,000 buy-in. That's when you start to establish your downline where you're getting other people involved. Now, purchases on the downline pay upward. So that means as you recruit people to Herbalife, they all have to invest $3,000 and you get a cut of that $3,000. So you're getting paid on the purchases of other employees, quote unquote. So recruiting actually nets you more than it would if you sold the product. But in order to maintain your levels to continue to receive compensation, you have to continue also buying inventory to qualify. So there are people who would have their entire garage or their entire house filled with product. And colloquially, those people are called garage qualified, meaning that they have achieved their Herbalife level by filling their garage with product that they cannot physically sell. Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I would say that I am pretty garage qualified for weed, though. Uh, there I you do go. have so much of it now. And it is illegal for you to sell. So, yes, you cannot sell it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will overdose on mixing weed and weed. <laughs> now, purchasing inventory and building the downline are required. You cannot obtain payment without doing both of those things. And according to statements in 2012, only about 17% of all of the distributors in the world were even eligible to earn a payout. Oh from my God, that's horrible. Now, of that 17%, 30% of them will earn $0 even though they're eligible to potentially earn a payout. Why? Because they are eligible to earn a payout, but didn't sell enough to actually get paid out. Oh my God. If that makes sense. Where they've like bought enough and recruited enough to be paid, but then they did not sell enough to get paid. I know that That sounds crazy, but like so evil. If I'm doing my math right, that means that only 5% of the people who sell Herbalife products will make any amount of money. Oh no. Hold your horses. So. Of that 17%, 48% will earn between $1 and $1,000. So $1,000 or less for 48% of that 7, 17%. Is that a year? That's, oh, that's okay. roughly 8% overall earn between $1 and $1,000. Right. And then 6% of that 17% will make $5,000 or more. So that's like less than 1%. Like 1%. Yeah. Of the it's it's a it's between 1 and 2% depending on Have the month. 98% of people from Herb, who sell Herbalife will make less than 1,000 or 0. And mind you, this does not account for expenses. So it's not even profit. That's just your payout. It, there's yeah. 
the yeah. what the fuck? Who have, would do this? Has anyone ever considered having like a uh, an Occupy Herbalife where the ninety nine percent of Herbalife go after the one percent of Herbalife? Yes, it's in this what? documentary. Yeah, yeah. I and here's the thing, I only have a few minutes to cover everything that's in this documentary but they cover lawsuits they share a ton of survivor stories i I call them survivor stories but like former herbalife consultant stories um and you really get a really broad picture of how the company was functioning how it was hurting people and then what they've done about it because they did file a class action suit so there there have been a number of lawsuits we'll get to them in just a little bit So factoring in required purchases and expenses, the net income is negligible unless you're in that top 2%, give or take. Now, to put that in perspective, in the state of California, for our California minimum wage, now again, this does differ by state. In some states, this is less or even more. But in the state of California, where Herbalife's headquarters is, you could work a part-time job at McDonald's for minimum wage and make over a thousand dollars a month working less than you would to make any money at all at Herbalife. Wow. Are you saying that McDonald's is an MLM? I'm saying that McDonald's is a better option than almost (laughs) any MLM. Plus they have those chicken McGriddles and they're delicious. Yeah. Plus I mean, I have to, here's the thing is that when I sell McDonald's door to door, I do have to buy inventory from them. Um, But I was recruited by Grimace and he's a really, really loving upline manager. (laughs) Now, additionally, their products for Herbalife are sold at a huge markup. They sell a Slim Fast equivalent for four times the cost of Slim Fast. And they have the same efficacy. So if you want to get diarrhea from a milkshake, <laughs> you could pay f- you could pay forty two dollars to do it with Herbalife or fourteen dollars to do it with. That's Slim my Fast. secret cap. I'm lactose intolerant. I get diarrhea from <laughs> every <laughs> milkshake, baby. I was just gonna say, or you could just go to McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, you could go to McDonald's and get a mango pineapple smoothie. <laughs> For two First of all, you guys are both wrong because McDonald's ice cream machine is never working. That's fair. That's fair. You can never That's get fair. a milkshake from a McDonald's. Oh, it's always working. Now, the question becomes, are any of these purchases actually going to customers or are they literally just profiting off selling inventory to their own distributors that their distributors cannot move? So it's just a closed system. Now, like I said, they argue that their distributors are more like members, so they're joining for the discount on the products that they will ultimately use. But there's no concrete number for how much Herbalife is used by people who are not selling Herbalife. Like, how much are they selling to people that aren't also selling Herbalife? Now, Bill Ackman, the guy who took the short position against them, and who I believe funded a lot of this documentary, possibly... Um, it is it does show him in a favorable light it is a little bit biased in that regard as far as his portion of the documentary he still comes off as cocky so just remember how much of a dickbag he has to be well here's the thing yes but there's a part of me that's like 
he is trying to take down a system that is hurting a lot of people. So I'm going to give it a little bit of leeway. And what the documentary does a great job of is putting up actual facts and numbers and then sharing survivor stories that back those up. So um, when he revealed what he kind of planned to do as far as taking the short position on Herbalife, it was a 300-page presentation. And most of the people that he presented it to were overwhelmed by it, where it was difficult for them to understand kind of where it was going, how it was, what he was trying to say. Um, And what he would argue is that Herbalife is the best managed pyramid scheme in the history of the world. And he's not wrong because they've been successful for a long time. They even had the former mayor of Los Angeles, Antonio Villaragosa, as a pro Herbalife spokesperson. Now, the reason that he kind of got on board with it is because Herbalife decided to pivot into something called nutrition clubs. This is where this gets really sinister because they build their nutrition clubs as a community service to combat the quote unquote national obesity epidemic. Now, what these clubs do is they serve a $4 service and it's basically a smoothie, a hot tea, and like a, um, like a sparkling like apple drink. It's like three different drinks. Okay. That's your quote unquote service. But they make it seem like it's a place to like do yoga and meet up with other healthy, like-minded people and hang out. But that's not the case. This is what these clubs actually are. If you are selling Herbalife, you could do that $3,000 buy-in. Or if you go straight to starting an Herbalife nutrition club, that automatically puts you at a higher level. And essentially you buy a storefront or rent a storefront. Oh my God. And you turn it, yes, you turn it into this health club and you cannot promote from the outside that it is Herbalife. Only once you are inside can you reveal that it's Herbalife and you aren't supposed to be selling the product there only the four dollar services and in order to get those services they basically have people quote unquote join as a member of that nutrition club to receive those four dollar services it's a recruitment tactic you're supposed to then convince people to start other nutrition clubs just franchise and arby's what are you doing (laughs) yeah at this point yes this is not just an in your home thing like you're you're building a whole business and you can't sell anything. I want to see it done the same way where somebody's <laughs> like, hey, hey, come into my business real quick. And you're like, what kind of business in the, is this? And they're like, I can't tell you. Just come come inside. And you get inside mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm here. What do you got? And he goes, eh, we got the meats. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Arby's, motherfucker. Now, the $4 services that they offer at the nutrition clubs are not enough to cover the cost of the product that they're using for those services. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So the average club loses over $10,000 a year as a a club. Um, And that's per Bill Ackman and Christine Richard uh, essentially looked at 10 different Herbalife clubs in Queens, New York. And monitored them over a longer period of time. Oh my fucking Christ. These people were renting store spaces in Queens? 
Yeah, because wherever you go to the club, you also live in that neighborhood. So neighborhoods get saturated with the clubs. And it's only a way to find new distributors. When you're in high school and your math teacher says math is going to be important, listen to them because of this. (laughs) Do the math. It doesn't add up. I had a fucking in high when I was in high school. I had a okay. This takes a a small amount of explaining. Uh, I was I'm very okay at math. Like I'm I'm decent at it. It's not hard for me. Numbers just make sense in my head. And I was on a track to keep going. Every year I would go to a higher level of math. Uh, And then I found out that the placement exam they do at the beginning of the year uh, has no merit or value on your grade at all. And so if you just tank that. The next year, they'll put you in a lower math class. And so I did that, and they put me into a a group just called Integrated Math, which is just all math put together. So I went from doing, like, calculus to doing worksheets with number, like, they they had, like, word. Yeah, they had, like, jokes on them. It was like, what's... What what's a what's what kind of bank would a vampire rob a blood bank and you're and then oh, yeah geez. they were really awful and I would just fill in the answers and then go backwards and do that but anyway the teacher who taught that class she was an Herbalife uh, salesperson <laughs> oh and so god she, would, she should not have been that's teaching math she All would constantly she would constantly be t- trying to tell us how math would have uh, a value in the real world <laughs> and i was like i don't want to listen to fucking anything you have to say about the real world dude you have no idea what's happening so here's the problem with the clubs <laughs> because everyone starts it in the same neighborhood because that's where they yep. live there's neighborhood saturation and so the clubs usually fail either within a year or right after their first year so of the clubs that they were looking at in queens new york they were looking at about 10 of them and then four of them failed and turned over within the next year in some cases turning over into other nutrition clubs that's not good Now, once he kind of presented a lot of this information, Herbalife went on the defensive. And so there's a lot of interviews available with higher ups at at Herbalife confronting them about the money and the amounts that people are making as Herbalife distributors. Now, this is where we get some of that conversation of $1,000 is a lot of money. If you're an elitist and you think that it's not, how dare you? But that's ignoring the fact that 98% of people didn't even make that thousand dollars. Well, and look at how much they're investing. Your startup investment is three grand. If you're not making at least a thousand dollars a month after investing three grand, you're just losing money. Yeah. Like it's not worth any of that time. How do you fucking justify a thousand dollars is a lot of money and then go around to being like three thousand dollars isn't that much money? You don't get both Herbalife. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Allegedly. Fuck off. Now, one of the allures of Herbalife is joining the president's team, which is their top thousand salespeople out of about 3.9 million distributors. Boy, the glory on that term has really weakened in recent years. Had, hasn't it? (laughs) They, 
They mean the company oh, president. I know, what, yes. I know what they mean, but yeah. I don't want to be associated with any kind of president anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, and from now when you call something presidential, it's like, wait, is that a burn or yeah. is that good? Well, the one upside is the presidential fitness uh, exam has now just been switched to eating McDonald's hamburgers and playing golf. So that's awesome. <laughs> I'm actually super, here for it. You know what? I know this is. A, I'm in the best shape of my life, according I know to the this president. Is a, this is a slight uh, aside, but I would love it. I would absolutely love it if they tailored every presidential fitness exam to whoever was the current standing president of the United States. Yeah, if you were Barack Obama and their level oh, of I health. went to school during the Barack Obama days. I was fucked, okay? Do yeah. you know how fit yeah. that dude is? Yeah. I go to school mm-hmm. during Clinton, so I guess I should be playing more saxophone. And fucking way more. And just French mm-hmm. fries. Should he I have been French fucking fries. in first grade or? Yeah, obviously, oh, if you want okay. to pass a presidential <laughs> fitness exam. Paige's face. She's so upset. Now, the president's team, as I said, is the top thousand out of 3.9 million distributors worldwide. And they are the ones that whenever Herbalife has like a giant conference, they're the ones coming out and giving speeches like anyone can do it. If I can do this, literally every person on earth can do this. But mathematically, that is not possible. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the probability of success declines as more people join your company in these cases. So literally 95% of people that join the company have to lose their money to sustain the business. That's basically how Herbalife survives. And they present this as a normal business competition. Basically, like anyone selling products has to compete with other people selling products. But typically that's not within your own company. But they kind of present this as spend more and invest more and recruit more and you'll make more what they don't tell people is that you can only go through 12 cycles of a pyramid scheme working effectively with no one leaving before you hit the population of the earth yeah yeah Yeah. so in the midst of all this as Bill Ackman is presenting his short position and why he thinks that Herbalife is going to fail. A Wall Street dude that has like a feud with him bought a huge amount of Herbalife (laughs) stock just to fuck him over. Because when you're rich and white, you just have to play battles on a different field. Remember that the entire premise of uh, trading places is just two white guys being like, well, let's have a bet then. Around this time, Herbalife starts putting out ads or at least encouraging their distributors to put out ads, advertising that you could work from home, but with no other information about it. They also start (laughs) posting on job sites to try and rope people in that way. That's how I have been approached to sell Herbalife was I was looking for a job, um, then they start sending millions of emails every month and the top tier people are making bank because people are like clicking on one of their links and then becoming an Herbalife distributor. But what they then start doing is selling lead lists to existing customers. So if you are a, if you are a distributor who is struggling to get your business off 
off the ground with Herbalife, you could then pay a, th- a couple thousand dollars in some cases for a list of like verified people to recruit or sell to so that you could just spam their email to Jesus. do Jesus. What? No. Now, Wall Street finally does kind of step in at that point and forces them to adjust their lead generation system, but no restitution was paid to the people who had paid into that system. Now, in the 1970s, uh, there was a case against Amway that has kind of given them a loophole as far as MLMs are concerned, but more importantly, the reason that MLMs have essentially become an unchecked monster in our world is because the Reagan administration deregulated their industry. So most of these companies now have super PACs or lobbies to prevent additional legislation against them, basically preventing oversight into their business. Supplements are much of the same. In fact, a lot of them are the same people. So at this point, there is a a class action lawsuit against Herbalife with 1.8 million participants. So that's a hun- that's 1.8 million people in the class for the class action lawsuit saying that they have lost a substantial amount of money and were defrauded. Yeah. Now, Herbalife didn't want to go to court, so they proposed a cash settlement of 15 million, meaning each person would get about $10. And the average loss per person was about eight thousand dollars. So they ag- they estimate that the aggregate damages to the class were between seven hundred million to one point eight billion for the people in that class. Yeah, um, that's more than now, the company's worth, they, right? I mean, really? No, really? Yeah. Um. It's at this point that they start to have a little, a few more eyes on their business. Now, that settlement gets approved. So, 15 million is basically the initial settlement. Settlement In 2013, they beat a case in Brussels that had been going on since 2011 to try and allege that they are a pyramid scheme. They essentially overturn it so they're still allowed to operate in brussels and everyone thinks at that point that the fight's kind of over it's like well they're clearly found not to be a you know pyramid scheme they do a huge national recruiting effort and then out of nowhere herbalife stock is halted march 12th 2014 because the ftc opens an investigation into herbalife and a month later, they announced that the investigation is going to be escalated because of what they had already found in that month. And on July 15th, 2016, the Federal Trade Commission charged Herbalife with four counts of unfair, false, and deceptive business practices. They cited an unfair compensation structure because it rewards the distributors for recruiting as opposed to the actual retail demand for the product. And to settle the complaint, they were required to pay a $200 million fine and completely restructure their Fuck. business. That's almost nothing, though. I mean, in the... Yeah, it's it's a fraction of what they owe people, but I think that was... I think that was the max that we were probably going to get. Now, $200 million does 
give a little bit more money to that one million class, but they're never going to get all their money back. That's just not going to happen. Now, following the settlement, the CEO, Michael O. Johnson, at the time was quoted as saying that the FTC's ruling was, quote, and this is a direct quote, an acknowledgement that our business model is sound. Oh, oh my no. God. Four months later, he stepped down as CEO. Now, in December of 2016, President Trump named Carl Icahn, who's the guy who bought a bunch of stock to fuck over the other stock guy and still owns a bunch of stock in Herbalife, he was promoted as special advisor to the president on regulatory reform for Wall Street. But Herbalife stock has never fully recovered. And that's where we kind of sit to this day. They are now structured a little bit more like the MLMs we talked about earlier, but not completely because they do still require you to purchase inventory. Um, it's just that their commission and bonus structure doesn't favor recruitment as much, but it's still a process. So it's now, it's just a situation that benefits no one at all, ever. I mean, it didn't before, but now they don't even, they can't even lie about how it could theoretically benefit you. And that's exactly what happens to the next company that we're going to talk about. And this one's a little more recent. So let's get into LuLaRoe. LuLaRoe started in 2013. Their primary product that they sold was were leggings and they're described as being quote buttery soft <laughs> now i happen to own some and they are buttery soft i hate to say it what does that even mean they're, buttery the, soft the feeling Ugh. of the fabric is nice yes they're Ugh. not high quality but that's such they're a not high horrible quality. way to describe it like hey do you want to wear clothing that feels like you're covered in butter yes I mean, <laughs> mm, girl, you want to feel like butter is coating your entire skin? Get out of my dream diary. <laughs> <laughs> this is Andrea's pleasure party. It's just a bunch of butter. Now, here's the here's the weird thing. They're not high quality. It's basically Jersey knits surged together. Anyone with a little bit of sewing know-how and access to fabric could make LuLaRoe leggings. They're not wildly unique. Um, and they're sizing is fucking bonkers. And I think they've done some changes to it, but at the time, so I bought some from a sorority sister who was selling them. Um, I didn't buy that many because they're all crazy patterns. And I'm a grown up with a day job that can't yes. wear Disney leggings to work. So like, that's my biggest issue is I'm like, this design is horrible. That's your biggest issue. And not that they describe their clothing as butter. <laughs> I feel like you guys are really overlooking the fact that I, if I get even a drop of butter on my body, I'm like, well, whole shower. <laughs> Guess I got to clean my entire body off. That's excessive. You could just lick it off anyway. So exactly. Exactly. Their sizing was one size fits all and tall and curvy. Those are the two sizes of the leggings. Wait, one okay. size one size fits all, and then they have a secondary size. Yeah, tall They're and like, curvy. this is a stretchier size. Yes. Basically, it's because the, the fabric is so stretchy, the idea is that no matter what your body shape size, that somehow the fabric will magically fit, kind of like that guy in uh, Next Generation, Star Trek The Next Generation. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Otto, who he could just take any form. That's what Lou LaRoe is, but for leggings. That's so fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. But so here's the thing. So I had ordered tall and curvy because I'm a curvy lady um, and they are super comfortable. But the legs are crazy long because I'm five foot two. <laughs> so like <laughs> I, you know, they're they're super comfy. But like, I don't know. I, I the couldn't sizing order makes no clothes. sense. Yeah, the yeah, sizing makes no sense. It's the same reason we try to be size inclusive because I think all three of us have seen uh, a one size fits all and gone. I, I don't. Hey, I don't think. I'm, I don't think that's true. Man. <laughs> I don't think I'm included in your all. Um, yeah, you had your legs are the the legs of your pants were a little too long. Andrea needs pants that have a little bit more butt. I'm and no condoms fit me because my dick's so big. <laughs> okay, it's so crazy how huge my penis is. It's it's, it's so incredibly weird the problem is that armando's entire body is the penis so we yeah. have to start at his face to try and put the yeah exactly on. i have a dick face <laughs> i'm a real dickhead oh god so originally <laughs> with... he's poking holes because otherwise he suffocates it's a whole yeah thing. yeah you could get head pregnant anyway so uh Originally, there was no online option. There are some options to buy LuLaRoe online now. And by that, I mean they didn't have their own website where you could buy direct. All clothing was sold through consultants via Facebook or online parties. As they operated their base of operations in, do you want to guess where it is? Los Angeles? Corona, California. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, wow. Unfortunate (laughs) name for a town right about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was started by a husband and wife team, Mark and Diane Stidham, and their selling strategy actually paid off. They made about $2.3 billion in sales, so much so that they would hold huge conventions and private parties, including concerts, with Katy Perry and Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> All right. Know now, your audience, baby. Yeah, that is... I was going to say I have no interest in going to that concert, but then I was I like, like, I like Kelly Clarkson. Not- not the audience we're not we're not their yeah. audience yeah i am not i mean their it's, it you wouldn't are. be my first choice but yeah and truly you're not they were billed as a quote-unquote family-friendly company they were definitely christian were, adjacent mormon i would say closer okay. when yeah. it yeah. first came out there were a ton of mormon women selling them online and in part because their clothing was quote-unquote modest it was longer sleeved uh they had these maxi skirts that would go to the ground and they and it was for some of the clothing if you could manage to get them in a solid and not a print you could put together an easy to wear and wash mom outfit that looks presentable outside in you know all comfy versions but still feels like jammies at home exactly and you are right in that I am not the audience because I am the opposite of family friendly. I would, I am what some would call family detrimental, where you get me near a family and I just ruin that shit. We get messages all the time from people who listen to our show with their kids and I'm like, what is wrong with you? Why? What are you doing? <laughs> we didn't, what? Now, maybe at, 16 up. I'm, I'm 16 yeah. up. I'm like, That's, that makes sense. Yeah. I think uh, I say things that make 30-year-olds go, ugh, no. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, now, <laughs> the minimum at the time of this documentary, which is about three years old at this point, um, was a $5,000 buy-in. Ooh. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, for their their 
initial inventory. The structure has since changed a little bit, as has their return structure. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but the Vice documentary focuses on a woman named Roberta Blevins. Now, a fun thing about Roberta Blevins, she is from San Diego, California. Ooh. And I talked to her on Facebook this morning. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> so uh, we are going to try and set up a bonus episode for her to answer questions about her MLM experience. If you guys have any questions, we'll post a post in the Facebook group where you can send your questions and we will ask them to her. And it should be pretty fun. She seems super cool. Yeah. We just yeah. got to make sure that we don't, we keep her away from listening to the podcast. Cause this is the thing that happens where like, I get a lot of approval to interview very famous people connected to true crime stories. And then they listen to me and they go, you're disgusting. And, and you are family detrimental, sir. And then they never message me back. I don't think that's going to happen in this case, but we'll find out. Anyway, <laughs> I did send her our website. So she could look into us. But anyway, so um, they advertise LuLaRoe as part-time work for full-time pay. That's a really, really common phrase to see among MLMs. This idea of you don't have time. You're a busy mom at home. But in the time that you do have, you could be making the same as a full-time job. So. The funniest thing is that if you just slathered yourself in butter, you would probably make more money. Like if you're just at your house slathered <laughs> on, in butter on and you started only an OnlyFans, yeah. I'm so here much for the pleasure party, baby. <laughs> yeah. Now, her first package that she bought in for inventory because she wanted to be a successful business was seven thousand dollars. Oh my god, Fuck. that is so many months of my paycheck. That's, now I'm so upset. Here's the other thing. She, at the time, was a new mom and really kind of needed a network of friends. And this seemed to also provide that because one of the things that a lot of MLMs do is emphasize community among women. And so it creates this sense of we're all in this together. We're all boss babes. We're all we're running all our boss own. Babies. We're all boss babies. We're all running our own business and we're all together collectively friends who are being successful so it's kind of like a sorority but instead of like we're all at college it's like you're at your house taking care of your kids trying to make money fun fact fun fact the reason that i was finally like that is it i am doing this multi-level marketing episode <laughs> is because a couple weeks ago uh, my sorority created like a networking group on Facebook to help people connect for job opportunities during coronavirus. Sounds great. Great. Awesome. And for people to be like, hey, here's what I do. Are there other people that do this? Let's connect and talk about our industry or whatever. For sure. It took three days for it to just be buried in multi-level marketing stuff. Yep. And I was furious because... <laughs> Every single fucking one of these posts was like, hey, girls, do you want to join a girl team? Let's be girl teams together. We're girls. We're sisters. And I'm like, how dare you? How dare you prey on your sisters for a business opportunity that you know could potentially bankrupt them? You're a bad friend and you're a bad sister. And Hashtag I'm furious about it. Boss babe. Hashtag boss babe. Hashtag boss babe. Hashtag literal boss bitch. And well, here, here's what was kind of hilarious is the first one to show up was a leggings post for a different leggings company. And people just 
ripped them to shreds in the comments where people are just like, how dare you? These are your friends and you're actively contributing to that. Like just, but then there were a million other people that were like, why don't you support them? People can make money however they want. And people were like, you don't get it. They're not making money. It's active. It is predatory. (sighs) And none of them were Tupperware. So I'm just like, where am I going to get my Tupperware? (laughs) Anyway, so LuLaRoe has multiple levels within the organization. The first one is trainer. And in order to be a trainer, you have to have recruited at least 10 people. Then you would move up to coach and then mentor. And at the height of her business. Yep. And all of these 10 people have to spend at least $5,000 yep. to get their thing. And you see none of that money. Yep. No, no, no. As a trainer, you are getting paid off that $5,000. Okay. But yeah. you're not getting more than your $5,000. Right. And remember, you have inventory that you have to sell. And I'll get into it because it's, it's more confusing than that even. So... At the height of it, Roberta had 75 women working underneath her in her downline because and she admits in the documentary that she's kind of goal and prize oriented and the company kind of cheered her on basically saying like, oh, you'll be coach or you'll be mentor by next year, which brings me to a woman named Courtney Harwood. Now, she was at mentor level and at the height of her business, she had 3,500 women in her downline beneath her. She was getting bonuses of $51,000 a month. Wow. And she was on her way to being a LuLaRoe millionaire. But in order to get those bonus checks, you had to maintain a certain level of inventory and they would sell a fill report. So if you had about like a small amount of people, like 10 people, they had to have ordered at least 175 pieces for their inventory. If you had a larger group, like say 100 to 300, they would have to order 1,750 pieces of inventory for your entire team. Now, the more people you have, the number goes up, but also it doesn't go up exponentially like that. So at a certain level, you could have 500 people and you're only trying to get 1,750 pieces, which means you know, two to three pieces per person, which is a lot more reasonable. But that means that everything they order in excess is your bonus. And again, this is all them ordering to sell to other people. Nothing has been sold to other people at this point. Yeah. This is just making money off of internal inventory sales. Exactly. Now, she says that they really pushed recruiting and not so much sales. That it was more about getting other people to sell. Yep. Now, according to the FTC, a business is likely to be a pyramid scheme if, quote, they promise consumers or investors large profits based primarily on recruiting others to join their program and not based on profits from any real investment or real sale of goods to the public. Now, MLMs can be considered legit by the FTC and still recruit people, as we covered above, if your compensation as a distributor cannot be solely based on the purchases of your team for their inventory, but rather on the products that you sell. That doesn't mean that these businesses can't still be predatory, but it does mean that the FTC FTC considers them a legitimate business. 
but that's not what's going on in LuLaRoe. The bulk of their income is coming from recruiting and getting those people to buy inventory. Now, it's around this time, as LuLaRoe is at its peak, that mentors were asked to, quote, live their best lives and show it on social media. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they'd be, they'd get watches as gifts. They'd be invited to speak at, at conventions. They'd get to ride on the private company jet. And the system and the company was growing so fast that they couldn't keep up with demand. So their warehouse didn't have enough room for the actual clothing that they were trying to order for inventory. Clothing would be sitting outside for days and it would be moldy or wet or smell by the time it got to consultants. Sometimes they would have clothes with holes in them or completely defective and they would be asked not to talk about it publicly because it might dissuade people from joining LuLaRoe. The problem, too, with these products in them in and of themselves is that they're incredibly low quality, sold for a very high price. So yep. in terms of value, they're already not a good product for their cost. And then on right. top of that, all of these other issues. Well, the bigger thing is, if you recruit everyone you know to sell LuLaRoe, who are you going to sell to? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's the and you don't have any control over the patterns you get. You would just get boxes of mixed bag and that's whatever you got. So you would have patterns that were just hideous that you couldn't sell and they would just sit around in your inventory forever. So LuLaRoe temporarily institutes a buyback policy for unsold merchandise, including shipping and handling, saying that if you want to send things back, they will 100% buy it back with no expiration date. The only stipulation was that it had to be bought from LuLaRoe. With that in place, a bunch more people started to sell LuLaRoe thinking they could get their money back if they could sell things. And at the same time, LuLaRoe had a damages policy. So, like, if there was a damaged leggings, you would take a picture of it. On our system, they would just send you another pair and you would throw that pair out. Then they changed it. So, you had to wait until you had 15 damaged leggings and then send them back in order to get your money back. But then they ended that and they abruptly ended their buyback system, claiming that consultants were abusing it. And many consultants who had filed for buyback sent their clothes back and then never received their money. Wow. Months and months at a time. Wow. So with those stories running rampant all over Facebook at the time, most people looking to get out of LuLaRoe decided to try and make their money back by selling off their inventory as is instead of trying to return it and then just not purchasing any more inventory. But the problem is, again, you get stuck with things that you just can't sell. And unless you can personally wear it, what good is it to you? There's actually a clip in the documentary of a video call with uh, Mark Stidham where he literally says, I hear everyone saying my inventory is stale. No, you're stale. Your customers are stale. Get out there and find new customers. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, now, so then it at becomes, this point. Then it becomes, this is another like tactic of it's not us. It's not our product. It's you. You're not working hard enough. You're not selling hard enough. Mm-hmm. You're staying home with your children like we said you could. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
everything is a sales pitch if you make it that way like um you could say that you have moldy luluro or you can say that it's organic that mold is a bonus <laughs> organic that mold is the bonus on it now here does, this is does where your I stuff want have to... holes in it or is it distressed and that's all exactly. the rage exactly yeah. i'm distressed now, by this conversation <laughs> i'm getting distressed this... out right now <laughs> This is where I want to put on my cult hat for a second. Oh, that's a nice hat. Is that Lulu? Thank you. It is. Is it a one-size now, It is. This is the exact same conversation that happens when someone says, I think you're quoting the Bible wrong, or I think this religion is wrong, or I don't think this is right. No, you just don't believe hard enough. It's gaslighting. It's gaslighting. It's the same exact situation. It is a cult. So... In my personal opinion, this is satire. Oh, whatever. Um, <laughs> now, at this point, the quality of the leggings continue to go down to a hilarious degree that I have a mini slideshow to show you. Oh, my God. Yes. At the end. Now, at this point, Roberta decides to pull out of the company. And instead of just being allowed to, hey, I don't want to be in the business anymore, she got texts from people that were basically like how dare you do this to me and then they just disappeared from her friends list and blocked her on social media so wow. all of the friends that she thought she had with LuLaRoe gone just gone in an instant very culty super sad very culty now back to Courtney she had spent thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on inventory so much so that she had multiple rooms in her house devoted purely to inventory um in pushing to live her best life she had bought things like a louis vuitton purse but she was starting to not be super happy with the company she would get called by the owner diane to have dinner with them and come speak at conventions and diane started according to courtney and according to this documentary pressuring her to get a gastric sleeve surgery in mexico what yes uh according to courtney they added her to a group chat called the tijuana skinnies <laughs> where <laughs> where they basically would set up trips to take multiple consultants down to mexico to get the gastric sleeve surgery to project a skinny an image and, of we're all yes. beautiful we're all skinny we're oh all successful God. we're boss bitches the term and tijuana again, skinnies is the funniest fucking thing i've ever heard in my entire it life it sounds like a disease where you shit yourself skinny yeah i went to be i went to tijuana i ate street food and i got the tijuana skinnies, tijuana skinnies. <laughs> now here's where because th this makes me irrationally angry uh, this is a company that has plus sizes and is actively making clothes that are stretchy and comfortable and billing them as comfortable for women who are all beautiful in all their shapes and sizes. But internally, they're pressuring people to have actual surgeries yeah. Yeah. to fit a That's certain image. Up. You're a fucking supervillain level of evil. Yeah. yeah. Now... Courtney didn't want to disappoint them, so she. But she also didn't want to go to Mexico because to have all a gastric surgery. These people are my surgery. friends. This is my friendship. This is my family. Mm -hmm. That's the so problem. she actually tried to get one of the gastric balloons, um, but she almost immediately had to have it removed. She almost died. Oh my wow. god! In the process, 
Um, and then literally as she's healing, they're like, we told you you should have done the gastric sleeve. So when are you going to come down and do the gastric sleeve? So like they kept pressuring her, according to her. Um, and then she was kicked out of the group. So in July of 2017, LuLaRoe was forced to change their bonus structure to comply with FTC regulations, claiming that their bonuses were now required to be based off clothes sold, not inventory purchased within the company. Which means that all of the money that Courtney had earned as bonuses from recruiting close to 4,000 people was gone. Yep. She'd been making $50,000 a month. And now she was making a fraction of that with the same inventory costs. She was the first mentor to leave and she sued them for her back bonuses. Um, but because she was encouraged to spend every month, do things like buy dinner for her team or her downline or like buy cars, fly on jets, go on trips. She alleges that they're doing it to make you dependent on the next bonus to influence you to try and get that next bonus. Um, she tried to open her own boutique to try and sell off her inventory. She ended up losing her house to pay for all of the debts that she had incurred while selling LuLaRoe. Wow. There is a 2017 class action suit and the dispute is ongoing. Their clothing supplier claims that they owe them $33,700,000 worth of unpaid merchandise. Jesus. Oh, my and that God. Dispute, that dispute's ongoing as well. The state of Washington sued, claiming that they violated the state of Washington's anti-pyramid scheme law, and that court case is ongoing. They deny everything, obviously. And as of 2018... There were over 35 different lawsuits, including class action suits against the company. They are now down to 3,500 consultants from the 80,000 consultants they used to have. But they continue to actively recruit. But that's why you don't see them on Facebook as much anymore. Yeah, this whole thing... I. This is my little soapbox real quick, but I will say that schemes like this, the concept of multi-level marketing flourishes in America because we have for many years had stagnated wages. We have a minimum wage that is really not a livable wage. And the idea, we kind of push this American dream and we push this cultural concept that if you work hard enough, if you're just smarter than the other guy, you can be your own boss, you can get ahead, you can own a home. And we have this myth of the American dream that if you are enough and you work hard enough, you will reap the rewards instead of going after People like Jeff Bezos, people that make millions of dollars, people that make millions and billions of dollars while paying their workers not fair or living wages. So as a culture, we are ready to accept the idea that if you're good enough, you can have more than everybody else. And if they don't have enough, if they don't have enough to eat, if they lose their house, it's because they failed. And so we push that idea into the world and people are so much more willing to accept that because we grow up with that as a cultural norm. Yeah. That's my soapbox. Um, I will also say, and it's something that a, a bunch of the documentaries and our sources have covered, MLMs disproportionately um, 
reach out to women, of course, um, in part because there is a pay disparity and there is a struggle if you have children to continue to be at home and accessible for your kids while still making money. But they also really, really, really target immigrant families. Yep. Because the idea is you've arrived at America. This is the place of the American dream. And here's how you're going to achieve that American dream. We've handed you this business. And so they're going after people who are inherently financially vulnerable. Yeah. And it's pretty, pretty gross. So this has been kind of a serious episode uh, because we had a lot to get through and a lot of it's not fun. But as a treat, <gasps> something that started to influence a lot of LuLaRoe consultants to leave was that the patterns were increasingly problematic because they were sewn badly. <laughs> In particular, a lot of their patterns accidentally looked like genitalia in the crotch region. It's really funny. Would you guys like to see a slideshow of So them? much. First of all, yes. Second of all, please send them so that we can do it like an Instagram post about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you see? Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> so here we go. I'm going to make this window a little bit bigger. All right. That's it. Doesn't even look good at all. In, it's in, so if, bad. Even if it, it looks been, like a penis. Yeah, it looks, it looks like, like a, penis. a penis. It looks like a penis anywhere you put it on the pants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, this one I think is a pretty fun one where it's a burger, but it looks like she's got a taco. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That is a vagina. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, then there's this one. That's a big old dick. It's a big old pee pee. That's a uh, yeah, huh? Oh, the title of this article is hilarious: "Pulling Your Leg." <laughs> Red, Red face, face gym, gym goers share Lularoe fails. Oh, oh, it's a kiss on the crotch. God, it is so. Oh, oh, that's the Seal album you couldn't hear about. Kiss. All right, that one unicorn. I like. This one I like. The horny uh, unicorn. <laughs> it's just a pencil <laughs> dick. It looks like a pencil dick. Oh no. Leaning tower. Oh. I like the way that this one's posing, where it looks like she's posing for a dick pic, which is great. It does. Also, Italians are well hung. <laughs> is that what I'm hearing? What's going mm -hmm, on? Mm -hmm. That's an absurd leaf vagina. Interesting. <laughs> Mandala vagina. Yeah, that's great. It looks like an owl, actually. Oh my wow. god. Flamingo vagina. Oh, that's the. Wow. Oh god. That one's so bad. It's so bad. God. This is. I, I can't even really tell what this it is. Like I mean, it's always it a be... penis. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it over here this looks like a chicken patty, and but I think this is maybe supposed, supposed to be, be flowers. flowers. Yeah. I guess. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh That's really man! Bad. A, just oh a whole God. tiger face on the butt. <laughs> just, I mean, again, hey, you know what? You can go online right now. You can find good designs for affordable quality. You do not have to ever wear these LuLaRoe weird <laughs> bird vaginas. What? <laughs> these are so crazy. I love them so much. Oh, my God. They're so That's awful. That's horrible. Oh, the hand sticking the hand out of vagina. out of the vagina. That's <sighs> deeply upsetting. 
Oh my gosh! That so that's a rose on the crotch that fully looks like lips. It just looks yeah. like a vag. I mean, yeah. flowers are already very feminine. This looks like a cat butt. Yeah, it's a it's a big old butthole. Oh my god, a tongue. A tongue oh. on the crotch. Wow, these are the worst. These are some of the worst patterns I've ever seen in my life. I don't even think they Th- look this good. Is, yeah, as like regular designs. They They're do not. So bad. I would never. No, I would never wear any of these. Not a single this one. This one is a literal hot dog. God, why? Hell yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, so we'll I'll link this article specifically because this had a lot of good ones. That's pretty ones. funny. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so that is our episode on multi-level marketing. So in short, it's not a career. It It can't really make you the money that you want unless you're going to recruit people which is kind of predatory and that's not great yeah god um wow this episode has been fun and awful at the same time i'm you very know what angry I mean? i'm so yeah. mad it made you should have seen me after finishing that herbalife documentary i was like anyone tries to sell me Herbalife. <laughs> I I like yeah. I can't. I'm just so mad. We used to. I used to work at a print shop, um, and so we would have people come in that would have to make their Herbalife uh, clothing, like their uniforms and and their shirts for the nutrition clubs. Yeah, and and so oh. it got to a point eventually where we just started making pre cuts of Herbalife merchandise um, because these people would come in to buy these shirts and they were like yeah i'm gonna definitely need like 20 of them and we had seen so many people get fucked over by herbalife that eventually we were like why don't you start with two why don't you just start with two and then we'll see how you're feeling in a month um yeah because it felt bad you know at first we were like yeah we'll take your money but after like the fifth time you see somebody crash and burn uh yeah when you run a legitimate business and you see people trying to start quote unquote start their own business eventually you have to be like look i can't take your money yeah i feel bad you're really fucking up um i used to do designs for a guy who was trying to start a t-shirt company and never happened it's me it's me it's armando (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh hey if you uh if you enjoyed this episode then you should check out our sponsor lulu row no no do you want no lula no <laughs> do you want penis leggings do you want penis leggings and a moldy butt do you want to feel like you've rubbed butter all over your fucking legs <laughs> <laughs> lulu row is and this is my opinion it's satirical lulu row is the worst thing in the entire world. Go to lulurow.com and you can buy your own pair now. I mean, here's the thing. I they're bad. Yeah. I dislike them greatly. I feel like Herbalife is even more sinister. Oh, yeah. And again, that's my personal opinion. Herbalife is terrible and I don't understand anyone that drinks it and every single person I've ever seen use Herbalife for weight loss, um I feel like they use it to make it easy. And then, okay, here's the thing. Every single person that I knew in high school and after high school that used Herbalife for weight loss eventually stopped using Herbalife and just did diet and exercise and got the results they were looking for. 
And they would tell me later that it's like, you think that it's, uh, you think that it's the easiest way to do it. You know, it's like a very easy way out, but it turns out to be way worse for you because a, it doesn't do anything and B you lose a bunch of money. So it just fucks you up. Totally. Yeah. I think if I had to say something to end this episode, it's really look at everything that a business like this is going to cost you look at whether or not you have to buy inventory look at who is actually benefiting are you going to have to recruit more people to benefit because if that's the case that's more like a cult than a business i would argue that art school is very close to a multi-level marketing scheme (laughs) sound off at me thank you for coming to our ted talk uh, I think in the. Have you ever been to improv class? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anything that tells you they can teach you a skill, it's it's questionable. Here's the thing: my art school was staffed almost entirely by people graduates by of graduates that of that art yeah. school because they would tout we get students jobs. They did not tout those jobs are in the field that you're getting your degree for. Yeah. So look at any time someone says this is the life you're gonna have, look into it. Follow the money, Halle Burton. Ask all the questions. That's it. That's that is that is the tagline for this episode. Um, in reality, this episode is brought to you by our wonderful, amazing Patreon donors. Uh, if you're, you know that thing you contribute money into? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're interested in uh, becoming a Patreon donor, you can donate to us or you can get five of your closest friends to donate to us. And for every five people you donate, we will give you a, an upgraded Patreon tier. Now, you do have to buy Patreon subscriptions from us directly. And it costs about $5,000 to get 100 of them. Um, Absolutely not. <laughs> this episode in particular is brought to you in part by... Uh, they say you can either call me Lauren Seibold or Sister June Cleavage of the, of the Los Angeles Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Yes. No, I am going with Sister June Cleavage of the Los Angeles Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, and I want to see your makeup. <laughs> Thank you. They say that they'll let us flip some Nazi gold and get weird with it and choose I love one. it. I love it. <laughs> also, we've got some really awesome, incredible news. Uh, next month or this coming month, I, I suppose, in September, we are actually going to be a part of RTX, uh, which is... <laughs> Rooster Teeth's normally live, but this time virtual event. Uh, This is a super, super, super huge deal on September 18th. We will be taking part in a true crime podcast panel um, with two other amazing and super popular true crime shows, Red Web and Black Box Down. Uh, These shows are super cool. Rooster Teeth is an amazing company, and we're so glad to be a part of this uh, event. It's going to be absolutely amazingly huge. You can go to our Instagram or our Twitter or our Facebook or our website for more information. Um, But you can also go to Rooster Teeth's official website and RTX's official website to RSVP for your spot. Our uh, panel, again, is on September 18th. Um, and there is more information online. Um, I think for me, I'm going to say, if you want to send me, hey, if you want to send me, um, if you want to send me 
pictures of leggings that were supposed to be covered in penises and vaginas but because <laughs> you stitch them wrong they accidentally look like flowers or hot dogs or the leaning tower of pizza um then you should definitely do that send me all of your dick uh leggings i guess but i don't want them to be butter soft i want them to become soft that's what i want you know very sticky and uncomfortable to be on the skin for prolonged periods of time that's what i really look for in clothing um so you can send those to me on twitter and instagram at mondo does stuff that's m-a-n-d-o does stuff if you want to send me what the name of your tow truck company would be called <laughs> if you started a tow truck multi-level marketing scheme, which is just stealing other people's cars. Please yes. send that to me on all the things at Sundress Comic or check out my art on Instagram at Andrea Gazzetto or online at AndreaGazzetto.com. I actually, I just added a new pack of stickers to my shop and they're fun. They're so cool They're really looking. cute and Paige's dad bought some, which is really cute. <laughs> did he really? <laughs> he did. He's so cute. <laughs> I, here's what, I didn't even tell him about them. I haven't had a chance to. So that just means he saw it on Instagram and bought it on his yeah, own. That's that's awesome. We're Instagram friends now and his comments are goofy <laughs> and cute. He's very funny. Your dad is great. Um, Hi, Jim. <laughs> I'm gonna say that I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch Molto level marketing for my uh, <laughs> for my name. Not mole tire level oh! marketing. Oh! Well, you live in your tow trucks. Multi level parketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've taken all the fucking low low level low hanging ones. So now you got to be really creative with it. Here's the thing: real you need to get creative. your puns through the upline. <laughs> Yeah, you can come up with one joke, or you can have five of your friends come up with five jokes of their own, and then you take one word from every joke. Each joke to create one joke. We should try to create a stand-up album this way. I cannot wait. <laughs> I'm going to say, if you have penis leggings, or any other leggings that look like they have genitalia on them by accident... I want to see pictures of them. I absolutely do. If you have a horror story of going to an MLM party, art school. I want to hear about it. <laughs> I want to hear about it. Um, if you like hearing my voice, you could hear me on four other shows this <laughs> week. <laughs> you can hear me today also on Horror Virgin, uh, Wednesday on Black Card Rehab, and then Thursday we are launching Romancing the Podcast. Yes. So if you like hearing me complain about the feminism of romance of romantic movies, that's the show for you. Um, we're going to be launching five episodes the first day so that people can binge listen. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Paige Wesley or on Instagram at Rampage Wesley. I'm so excited and I'm so proud of you. And if you <laughs> listen to this and Romancing the Pod is already out on Thursday, you should definitely listen. I listened to the first episode. It blew me away. It was so great. So highly recommend. <laughs> Please check out Romancing the Pod. Yeah, is the one that we just recorded that's the first one after the first five is bonkers like I need you guys to watch the movie so we can talk about it just amongst ourselves because we talked about it for three hours for that wow. episode 
and I could talk about it for another three hours. Okay. The movie is so crazy. I can't wait. Uh, anyway, so that's where all the things are. Now, if you want to follow us as a show, you can do so on Instagram at Colt Podcast. Or Twitter at Cult Podcast Show. You can also send us an email to cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. Or if you have penis leggings mm-hmm. Please and you think that we need to have them, yeah. you could send them to us at 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like right? the Shining. Like the Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. And I wear a size tall and curvy extra man. That is, <laughs> I need the, <laughs> if there's an option for extra room for balls and penis, because as we have established, huge penis. Just a huge, mm-hmm. unbelievably large penis is what I have. I think the stretchy fabric of LuLaRoe is going to accommodate your massive dong. Thank you. <laughs> and it also looked like you have a massive dong no matter what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, it's the yes. leaning tower of penis. <laughs> I think for this one, I'm going to say don't drink Herbalife shakes. That's my personal opinion. This is satire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye. Hey, hey, I got a confession, guys. I don't really have that big of a penis. Um, I've been drinking a lot of Herbalife to try and get it bigger. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really just been giving me a lot of diarrhea. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to lie to you guys. Oh, <laughs> uh, what, what would that shake be called? Cocktail. Oh! Anyway, go ahead. <laughs>